Hi, I'm Caroline Caspar, and on behalf of the Equity Foundation and the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales, we would like to welcome you to the Equity Foundation Health and Wellness Series. Firstly, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, which is the land on which we work. I live on Bidjigal land, and I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of country all throughout our country, recognising their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Kiora, New Zealand cohorts, thank you for joining us today. With the unique challenges that face up the entertainment industry, indications are that we as creative practitioners in these creative industries are under serious mental health stresses. Our hope is that this series will go some way to understanding and unlocking and developing strategies to help us cope with the challenges that we face. Today's session is part two of a two-part series on identity and will run for approximately 40 minutes. Due to scheduling demands, this is a pre-recorded session. If you have any follow-up questions, please will us through an email at info at equityfoundation.org.au and we will endeavour to get the answers to you post this event. And now, the wonderful Dr. Julie Crabtree is about to give us this session on identity. Julie is the go-to person on health and well-being in the creative mind space. Her work with people in the creative industries draws on over 27 years of experience in both private practice and with organisations. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and her doctoral research into creativity and mental health means that she is at the forefront of what it means to be creative and healthy. And by creative, we mean all of us who work in the creative industries, cast, crew and production, as we help to tell the stories that help us be in, the, in this world. And so, without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Dr. Julie Crabtree. Ah, oh, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. Well, this is the last of our series, and we're going to look again at the area of identity. And in particular, we're going to look at how rejection can impact identity. Over the last number of series, we have looked at how the particular cognitive and personality vulnerabilities have an impact on the creative individual's resilience, how it may have an impact on anxiety, and lastly, how it can impact identity. We presented to you a model of resilience that we use to frame the creative individual. And we have particularly looked at identity as it pertains to resilient identity. So this is our, our focus on resilient identity. Remember, uh, identity was seen as a consistent view of self. And we talked about what makes up identity, which is our basic tendencies, self-beliefs, our narrative, um, particularly our historical narrative, our attributes and external influences. And you were encouraged over this period of time for you to form your own sense of identity for you to write down your basic tendencies to write down your self-beliefs your narrative your attributes and to look at your external influences because we talked about the fact that it was a secure identity that helped us begin to navigate and manage the different aspects to do with the creative life 
So positive identity can be a challenge for those in the industries because we know in terms of our basic tendencies that you are highly sensitive, you're skinless, you feel your pain deeply, you feel other people's pain deeply. In terms of self-beliefs, this is something that I've seen particularly play again and again through those in the industry that I've spoken with. As they grew up, they felt a sense of, I don't belong. They either felt that at school, they stood out, they were different in some way. In their family, they felt that they didn't quite belong, that their parents maybe did not understand them as creative individuals. And so there was this kind of self-belief around this idea of, I don't belong. In terms of external influences, the performance industry is associated with a, a very constant sense of rejection and a valuing of yourself for taking on different characters. These unique aspects can make it very hard to develop a secure identity, which is why we're focusing on it now. Your sensitivity, the kind of underlying belief that you, you don't belong, and some of those external influences that impact you. We talked about the fact that in previous sessions that the creative life is often a very tidal life where there's highs and lows. And we focused in particular on the ego, the inflated and deflated ego. And we talked about the fact that it is a resilient creative identity that anchors our sense of self, that allows us to navigate the highs and lows. I want to show you two brief interviews from a, an artistic director and from, again, Sam Neill from the documentary show Must Go On. Both of them talk about the challenges of the creative identity, particularly in the face of consistent rejection. So let's have a look at that. You get really good at rejection. So, how, so <laughs> you spend a lot of your time in your career being, uh, having your ideas rejected? I think uh, being a performer is a tough gig. Everyone gets rejected. You're always getting rejected. And that's really tough. So what happens to our secure identity in moments of inflated and deflated ego in the face of ongoing rejection? And that is that you can easily find that the rejection just erodes you so that you get this kind of self-condemnation, which can be very, very destructive for your sense of self. So in order to help us manage and maintain a secure identity, we need to learn how to, how to manage our rejection because rejection is not going to go away. We would love to live in a world where we're constantly affirmed, where we win every role where everyone says how fantastic we are, but that is not reality. And so learning how to understand rejection is part of how we maintain and manage a secure identity. So one of the first things to understand is that the area of the brain involved in rejection is the cingulated cortex. And it's the part of the brain that integrates thinking, feeling, and scenting. It's, it's a part of the default mode network, which is the internal part of the brain. And it's doing this synthesizing work. This is where we understand we are rejected. Now, when we're rejected, we actually experience rejection 
similarly as we would um, experience physical pain. If, if I, for example, hit my arm or bruise my arm, my brain would relate to that in a similar way to somebody that profoundly rejected me. Our brain can't tell the difference between physical pain and the pain of rejection. We also know that early rejection inhibits the functioning of the cingulated cortex, which affects our ability to process future rejection. If in your growing up, you experience profound and deep rejection, it's going to be hard for you to maintain a secure sense of self in the face of the rejection that is in the industry. So also being empathic and skinless makes us vulnerable to feeling the pain of others and our own rejection. So these are, I guess, a cluster of things that we need to understand about what it means to experience rejection. And whenever you go into auditions, whenever you uh, apply for work, whenever you go and sit and may experience some sort of rejection. These are the things that are happening internally for you. And remember, rejection hurts because it feels like pain to us, physical pain to us. These are some comments about how people have learnt to manage their rejection. It's true, you can be denied by a person or a situation but you decide what rejection means to you by the way you explain the situation to yourself. So let's say you didn't get that role. Let's say you didn't get that job that you went for. How you explain that rejection to yourself makes a difference. If you say to yourself, oh, well, that's it, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, you know, I'm not good enough, then you're going to feel the pain more deeply. If you say to yourself, you know, there are things outside of my control, that it was one of a number of roles I could go for, I was in the top five, you know, people for this role, it's a very different framing of it. As we talked about last time, you don't see the rejection as being entirely personal. Now, now that, that's a hard thing to establish that kind of almost detachment from the pain of the rejection. Somebody else said, when you assign life and death meaning to being refused, you have nowhere to go but down and nowhere else to be but broken. You've hemmed yourself into a trap by meanings that uproot you completely. If the refusal and the rejection is something that you determine as your marker of being okay or not, then you are in for a really rocky ride because as this quote said, there is only one way to go but down. If you have a view of yourself and the relationship with the industry that allows for rejection, then you are developing an ability to be resilient with it you will be able to handle rejection when you start to describe it in ways that don't destroy your self-esteem. In order to do that, you have to have a positive sense of self. You've got to be very good at keeping on saying, I'm okay, I'm good, affirming yourself. You have to have a very positive, healthy aspect of you 
that is good at coming in and supporting and nurturing and nourishing the you that feels very rejected or that feels the pain of the rejection. And developing that healthy sense of self is like a muscle that we have to keep exercising all the time in order to keep surviving in the industry. One way to keep exercising that healthy sense of self is to learn how to protect and protect your identity. And these are some strategies that people have used over the years. They have their creative persona, which is the one that goes for the job and they've got their, their private sense of self. They've got the part of them that the public sees, the part of them that is uh, aware of, for example, their, their, how they view publicly, and then they've got their private self. Holding their private self, it's like, you know, we, we, don't, we don't walk around the streets naked because we would feel unprotected. And in the same way, we as creative individuals learn how to clothe our sense of self and need to understand what clothing to use in different circumstances. And this is hard because the creative person is naturally vulnerable and those in the industry demand a level of vulnerability from us. Our greatest work is done in vulnerability. So if we are constantly being naked in front of people without the protection, we, we allow ourselves to have the pain of, of the rejection. And it's like walking out and being naked and being whipped. That's how it feels in terms of our, our psychological sense. So we have to learn a different way. And one of those ways is understanding we have a creative identity and that's the identity that comes in and does the creative work and has a place to go where we can be vulnerable and do the, the work that requires that vulnerability. There is our public self and that needs to be far more protected. That's the public self that interacts with the audience, that interacts with the public, that interacts with people in the industry whose job it is not to protect us. And then we have our authentic, personal, private self. That's the one ourselves, our partner, our very close friends see. And we know. Not, no one gets to that, that part of who we are. Understanding which clothing to use when we go into different circumstances is important. Our very vulnerable, more naked self is only for our partner, very close friends. Our creative self is the one where we use clothing, but we know how to engage vulnerability, but also how to disengage. And our public self is the one that is in this thick, strong, very protective suit because you need it. You need it to manage the vulnerability that goes with what you do. That's the self that gets feedback from casting agents. That's the self that goes into public situations where you may be criticised. That's the self that maybe sees reviews. 
you don't have your very private self looking at reviews. It hurts too much. That's your very protected public self. And if you feel that you can't do that, then what I've often suggested to people is they get somebody to filter out their public. You don't have to be the person that hears and receives all of the feedback. You can have somebody that filters it for you. It doesn't mean you stay in a world of not, not knowing or not getting healthy, accurate feedback, but it means that you protect your vulnerable self from the deep pain of rejection. So we need to understand how to think about the protection around ourselves. And I often, you know, as you can see, think about this visually. I would encourage you to even sit and draw the different protections you use when you are performing in your creative identity or working in your creative identity. And when you're in public, what protections do you need? And if you feel that you're too vulnerable for that, the people that can be your support that can filter for you some of the more difficult feedback. And then the vulnerable, the authentic you. Who is it safe for you to show yourself to? It's not safe for you to show your, your more vulnerable you to the public. You, you, you would just get hurt too much. So we need to visually think about how we can protect ourselves in different situations so we can maintain a secure and stable um, identity, so we can maintain the anchoring between the, the inflated and deflated ego states. I want to kind of finish with this idea as well, and I'm going to be speaking more particularly to those within Australia because I don't think it's an issue within New Zealand. And that is that I want to talk about our kind of corporate identity as performers, as those in the performance industry. Um, because over this particular 12 months, starting from before the pandemic, I think that we have felt a collective sense of rejection from from government institutions who have communicated to us that they have not valued uh, our industry, have not valued who we are as creative individuals, who have not valued us as storytellers. And my observation is that as an industry, we have felt the collective rejection of a government an institution that should protect us that has not protected us and it has impacted our identity I think at some point. I have been aware of people that have questioned whether they should be in industry or not. I have heard of trainers that question about their role as those who train those in creative, the creative arts and I think I wanted to acknowledge our collective challenge to our identity and our collective challenge and the feeling of rejection that we feel. And I want to encourage you to stand again as storytellers because that's effectively what our roles are. Whether you're a crew, whether you're a writer, whether you're a director, whether you're a performer, whatever role you play, you are part of the storytelling
of our nation and nations. And I want to encourage you to embrace that identity as storytellers. And there are so many really important stories for us to be telling that our nation and our nations need to hear from us. And I want to encourage you, rather than stepping back from this feeling of the, I guess, the organisational rejection or the government rejection, the feeling of being devalued, to begin to stand up again as storytellers, to begin to anchor yourself in your identity as storytellers, as people who have got a powerful story to tell and who have a nation who needs to hear our stories from our storytellers. And I want to encourage you to not, no longer be impacted by the pain of this implied rejection, but to see 2021 as being a time for you to have been in incubation, but a time to tell your stories to stand as creative individuals with a strong, secure sense of self who is not going to be impacted by government messaging that does not affirm who you are, but will, will stand and speak and act and write and play as the storytellers that you are. So I, I wanted to conclude with this idea of us collectively standing, standing in the place of our creative identity, being the storytellers that our nation and nations need in order to help our nation heal and recover and gain strength and understanding because this is your job. This is, this is how you were created to be. This is why you are wired to be the way you are. And I guess it's an encouragement to stand up and do that as we look into 2021. So I want to finish there and invite Carolyn. Julie, thank you so much. I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for that wonderfully heartfelt um, call to arms, I guess. Um, it's just beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just, I've just been thinking about that whole reje rejection thing and I'm, I'm so pleased that you expanded it into that worldview. Mm -hmm. So you're feeling the pain of rejection so for in whichever form that takes. Are there things, like are there strategies, we, we, talked, we talked about support systems, um, or you, you talked about support systems, are there other things that we can um, effectively do? I know... You know, chatting to my support system and friends, you get rejected and you kind of go, well, I'll give you half a day. You can, you can, you can wallow as much mm. as you like for half a day, but then, you know, the re and the resilience kicks in and you get up and you keep going. Yes. Um, there are other little strategies that mm. in there that we could employ mm. to help with that sense of rejection? Mm. I think, again, it's this idea of self-belief. Yes. And it's this idea of healthy adult. And I think uh, collectively... Our, a, a, there's been a wound mm. and we can stay wounded but in some ways our job is to tell stories and so we need a healthy sense of self to hug yeah. <laughs> if you like our wounded self and so we understand yeah. we completely understand 
Yeah. You know, but it's time now. It's time to stand up. It's time to tell, tell the stories. It's time to go back to yeah. what you know to do to tell the stories. And I would en encourage those people to go back to the practices. Start doing some of your exercises. Mm. Start writing. Start working. Start doing films. Start doing things that you know to do. Even if they feel artificial and false, mm -hmm. start doing them anyway. Because when we've been wounded, the best thing to do is just to, to go back to what we know. And, and as we go back to what we know, we can keep um, moving forward and, and it becomes easier and more familiar. But we've got to start. And so some of, some, some of those, absolutely, so some of those would be, uh, we, you know, you've talked previously about, particularly when we were talking about anxiety, about mind, you know, doing the mindfulness exercises, like bringing it back to the present. And, and some of those techniques will help you, I, I imagine, would help to identify yes. your identity, mm. if, you, if you like, in that you're bringing it back to the present. Yes. Um, so that you can move forward. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Just a really simple thing too, as far as that's concerned, is again, and I talked about those who are safe around us. Ask those safe people three things about who you are. Let them tell you mm. who you are. I mean, I think we have people around us that understand the, um, how difficult it has been for us. And I think people are, are keen to go, no, no, you're great. You're going to do it. Yeah. You're an amazing performer, artist, and you're going to get back, and we want to see you again. We want to see you performing again. We, we need to hear that, and people are wanting to do that. Yes, yes, they are. I, I think you're absolutely on the money there. Sometimes there's a disconnect between the perceptions of how other people see you and your own self-perception. Yes. Would would journaling that be a, a mm. method that you could use if you really wanted to, you know, strengthen that yes. sense of self? A very kind of old but good concept called the Joe Harry window talks about the fact that we can, we can see stuff about ourselves that other people don't know. That's the word I was talking about. Yeah. We can see there's stuff about ourselves that we hide. There's stuff about ourselves that other people see in us that we don't see. And there is this square of information which is things about ourselves that we are yet to explore. And so understanding that people are going to see things in us that we don't see mm. because we've got a blindness in the same way that people, uh, that we hide aspects of ourselves with people. So if you um, invite people to tell you a little bit of who you are and you go, no, that's not right, <laughs> just let it sit for a while. Yeah. They may be wrong or they may be seeing qualities in you that you don't even see, see yourself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. One final question, Julie. What clothes do you wear when you go? Have you public persona? Yes. I want to hear about the armour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you know, as imaginative as you possibly can be. <laughs> the hazmat suit. The hazmat suit. You know, just the whole glass thing, the whole <laughs> plastic, you know, air, you know, with padding on the inside. You, you, we need to be protected. Yeah. You know, in our world right now, it's, it's not a kind world. But we don't have to be wounded by other people's unkindness. No. 
so we can be really protected. And if we don't feel we can be that protected, then bring along somebody. Yeah. And it's great being in public situations and they look out for you. Yeah. And if somebody's coming in with unkindness, they can help yeah. steer them away. And we need those people. Yeah. We really do. Yeah, we absolutely do. No man's an island, right? Mm. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. A huge, huge thank you, Dr Crabtree, for sharing your insights, your knowledge, your expertise and your love with us. Thank you. Again, a massively huge, humongous thank you to the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales. We couldn't do this without them. So huge thank you. And again, if you have any further questions, well them through to us at info at equityfoundation.org.au and we will try and get some answers to you. Keep your eyes peeled for some more events in the health and wellness series. You can find the information on the, through the e-bulletin, the website, the Facebook page. Dr Crabtree, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your insights. That's us. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.